Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. We give God the glory. We thank God for all the things he has done. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity, the presbytery, for granting this opportunity to us. Church, we will be listening to the word of God. I will build my church for my own glory. I will build my church for my own glory. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I say, I will build my church for my own glory. I will build my church for my own glory. And the days of hell shall not I say. Praise the Lord. Hey, you are not in this room. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are learning. The enemy of the church is false doctrine. The enemy of the church is false doctrine. We are reading from Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. Matthew 16, 16 says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. The living there is L-E-A-V-E-N. And that refers to a process of fermentation of products. So the dough that you use for your food at home to prepare your banku, your kinke, when you go to the mill and you bring it down and you mix it with water and you now put it in a bowl trying to make sure after a day or two that you turn it into whatever you want to do. That is the process of, um, that is called living. And the opposite is unliving. So we have living and unliving. The unliving bread was what is used during the Passover. So Jesus was telling the, the, the disciples that they should take heed and beware. So somebody says, take heed and beware again. It's a very strong phrase. Of the living of the Pharisees under the Sadducees. And you know what? When Jesus said that, the disciples were looking into each other's faces and thinking that Jesus was trying to reprimand them for not carrying bread. Jesus realized that they were thinking about bread. So he asked them, have you forgotten that we use five loaves of bread and we shared for 5,000 people and they ate and were full and were lots of basketfuls of that bread. Then again, you have also forgotten that on another occasion, Seven loaves of bread were used to feed 4,000 people. So the first one was five loaves feeding 5,000. The second one was seven loaves of bread feeding 4,000 persons and extra basketfuls of crumbs. 
So why do you think I, Jesus Christ, will still be talking about bread if you didn't bring bread? Because we don't need you to be carrying bread. Now let's read what happened in verse 12 of the same chapter. Matthew chapter 16 verse 12 says, Then understood they, the version I'm using is KJV, King James Version, or NKJV. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the living of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Hallelujah. Are you with us? Hey, are you with us? So the verse 16, sorry, verse 6 of Matthew 16, Jesus was telling them to be careful and protect themselves against the bread of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then they started thinking, why they didn't bring bread? Then as the discussion went on, and they got to verse 12 of chapter 16, they realized that Jesus was not talking about bread. So it means that living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees stands for the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Do we understand? Is that clear? Are we confused in any way? All right. Well, someone say yes. So just take it that five loaves of bread were used to feed 5,000 people. Seven loaves of bread were used to feed 4,000. So Jesus couldn't have been talking about absence of bread on a journey. Now, so let's see why all these discussions are going on. Jesus was affirming his mission and say that I, the son of man, am. And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus Christ was very, very happy with that answer because the first phase, it, it makes Jesus realize that he is with the right company for the mission that he has. Jesus has realized that he is in the right company. They understand why he is with them and why they are with him. So the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what does it represent? It is their doctrine, myopic and undiscerning, and that is restricted to laws of Moses. The Pharisees come to close understanding the word of God, but there is something that's missing somewhere. God's people for mankind, they've missed it. They're very stringent, inconsiderate, and hypocritical. I didn't want to use that word yet, but why we say this is that these are people who make a lot of laws out of the laws that Moses um, gave. So the first five books of Moses, they believe it, and then they tried to make more rules so that people will obey that. So they made extra rules to tighten people. And truly speaking, those rules were working for them. In actual fact, we could tell that they themselves were not able to obey all the laws from A to Z. But outwardly, they make people believe that they themselves are able to obey those laws, so we will force you to obey all those laws. So if someone who cannot obey a certain law now forces you to obey those laws, how would you call that person? What word would you use for the person? Hey, please, are you here? 
Say the word aloud. Okay, so you said it, that the person is super creative. He cannot obey the rules and now forces other people to obey those rules. Now, let's see why Jesus was very mad at them. Before we got here, we were talking about they asking Jesus. They came to Jesus and asked Jesus, can you give us a sign from heaven that you are the son of God? Because they were expecting. So they said Jesus should give them a sign. Jesus was very angry. And he said that you guys, you know astrology. When the wind starts blowing from a certain angle, you know what is going to happen. When the sky turns blue and when certain clouds form, you understand what it means and what, what that phenomenon, all these things represent. How come in this time that we are in, that I am in your midst, you come asking for a sign? And Jesus said, because of their habit and stiff neck, no sign will be given to them. Only the sign of Jonah. Only the sign of Jonah. I was wondering, what is the sign of Jonah? Is it that Jonah was asked to go and preach, and then when he got there, the people were in sackcloth, and they were repented, and God said, okay, I'm no more going to kill these people. So God, Jonah was angry. Then God made a very uh, nice fig tree, which gave shade to Jonah for some time. Then within a, a moment, God changed it and killed the tree and all the leaves with it. Was that that sign? But what Jesus was referring to was that Jonah stayed in the belly of the fish for three days. In the same way, the Son of Man will be killed and buried in the belly of the earth for three days and he will resurrect. That will be the sign that they will see. So Jesus wasn't willing to give them any sign. And neither did he explain the son of Jonah to them. So let's see what these Pharisees and Sadducees, who they really are. We will see them from a few angles. So the Pharisees and Sadducees were influential Jewish sects with conflicting philosophies. Regards to the implementation of the Torah, Pharisees and Sadducees also had conflicting views about the rule of government in the lives of the Jews. Number one, character. We are learning the character of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Social, social character. The Pharisees were members of middle-class Jewish families. So were the Pharisees members of middle-class Jewish families that were committed to upholding the Mosaic law from the first book to the fifth. Okay. Now, when you come to their leadership, so on the other hand, in terms of society or social, the Sadducees hail from the Jewish aristocracy. Aristocrats are people who come from very good and rich homes. And so you would bet that they went to very good schools. And so they decided that, okay, for us to remain who we are and create this class of people for the Jews, we will go to school and also deal in governance. So they were in politics to try and maintain their hold on the leadership. Now, when it comes to leadership of these Pharisees and the Sadducees, the second point, leadership, is that the Pharisee leaders were called rabbis. So they're all rabbi. They made more rules in order to make sure that people didn't deviate from God's rules because they thought that, yes, whatever punishment came on the Jews was as a result of deviation from God's rules. 
to, pre- to prevent deviation of the people from God's rules, let's make extra laws that actually hold them far from breaking the original laws. On the other hand, the Sadducees, in terms of leadership, were the members of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is about the, like, parliament. That's the highest authority in those times. So, the, while the Pharisees were holding on to the Mosaic laws and asking as, as, as law keepers, the Sadducees were holding themselves as priests as well as members of parliaments to talk in our modern language. Religion. The Sadducees maintained that the first five books of the Bible, otherwise known as the Torah, were the greatest authority on God's will for the Jews. Therefore, all other laws or texts outside the sacred Torah could not be counted as part of the law. So that is how the Pharisees, sorry, the Sadducees, don't get me wrong, don't let's get confused. These are the Sadducees. They're thinking that the first books of Moses are what God decided to give to people. So no other law would be important. But the Pharisees thought that, yes, God gave these rules to people, to us, as rules. But in God's own wisdom, he brought prophets after Moses who now taught us more things. So we need to be practicing the unwritten part of God's will for us. So those ones that were like usages, as in our times when um, our chairman will bring a directive, it will be read and circulated, all those things, they believe that these are parts of God's will for mankind and for the Jews. So they took it as part of the laws of Moses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, number four. Believe in heaven and hell. The Pharisees believed in heaven and hell and thought that man would be judged on the basis of his adherence to the Torah and his works while on earth. But the Sadducees did not believe in life after death. So you will see that these people work hand in hand, but often have a few conflicting uh, things that divide them. Yet they managed to move together. The last point, the Messiah. The Pharisees believed that God will send the Jews a Messiah. He will bring peace to the world. He will rule from Jerusalem. They also believed that all circumstances that affected the lives of Jews were divinely ordained. But the Sadducees did not believe in life after death in the first place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if this are the things about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Jesus Christ says that we should be careful about their doctrine. These are the doctrines that they believe in. And Jesus says that we should be careful. What does it tell us? That we need to decipher the real doctrine from what these people believe. Because already they have set themselves at each other. But they try to hold the people together for one common goal, so that they will be in charge all the time. So we'll read Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says, For what is man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, 
Or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? So this is the first pillar that we're pulling from what Jesus said. This is the doctrine of the soul of man. So according to Jesus Christ, when a man dies, he is not dead. And after, after resurrection, his works shall be judged. So the doctrine of the soul of man is that a man or a human being has a soul. Hallelujah. Are we here? A human being has a soul, as said by Jesus Christ. And that this soul will still be alive after that person is dead. So if somebody comes in our midst or somebody is preaching on TV or radio and says that if human beings die, that is the end of it. Is it false doctrine or good doctrine? Oh, please, you are not loud enough. It's false doctrine, right? Okay. So we are saying that false doctrine is the enemy of the church. All the things that we are doing, if we allow false doctrine to thrive, our work will be in vain. If we allow false doctrine to perpetuate, and if we are not able to speak against false doctrine, and we think that we don't want to judge people, so we'll let them continue doing the wrong things and saying all the kinds of things they say. Our work will be in vain. But Jesus has already said that the church that he is building, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. So that's the first doctrine. So if the man has a soul and that soul will have to profit by accepting Jesus Christ after death, then it means that there is life after death. There is resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah. So the Sadducees preaching that there is no resurrection after death is false, right? Do we agree that it's false? Okay. So now, do we still have people and religions and sex in our midst that denote the character of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. True or false? True or false? Okay. So if that is the case, then we are saying that any doctrine that says that human beings die and that is the end, it's a false doctrine. Any doctrine again that says that man does not have a soul is also a false doctrine. Is that not right? Okay. So we are saying that as a church, you see, we, we have relaxed. I mean, we as Church of Pentecost have relaxed. The reason we have relaxed is that we have allowed a lot of bad doctrine to perpetrate. We have held very good standards in this country and abroad as a church. And we've held on to them. And people knew it. But now we've kept so quiet that all the people that came and some from us and other things started teaching other things and proclaiming false doctrine. And we have kept very quiet and we allow them to continue it. So we have kept very, very quiet. But in the time of Jesus... Did he keep quiet? He didn't keep quiet. So we should not keep quiet. 
We should not keep quiet at false doctrine because that's very, very destructive. So we are reading again where it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Please, sorry, 27. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Listen, oh. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he shall reward every man according to his works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels and shall reward every man according to his works. So we are learning the doctrine of the angels. So if Jesus says he is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, are those angels on this earth? The angels that Jesus wants to come with, are they living on this earth? Hey, please. I'm not, I'm not. Are they on this earth? You see why you are very quiet? In fact, it shows in your, in your response that you are not sure of the doctrine you are holding. It is showing. The angels that Jesus says is coming with, are they living on this earth? Okay, so if somebody lives on this earth and he says it's an angel, is that false doctrine or good doctrine? You are here on this side with us. You are married, you have children, and you, have, you, are, you eat all the bankoons and the acclaims that we do here. And you call yourself angel. Is it a false doctrine or bad doctrine? Sorry, sorry. That's tautological. Is it false doctrine or good doctrine? False doctrine. False doctrine. Why have we kept quiet? Why have all of us in our homes, our communities, why have we all kept quiet? For this thing to go on. And we cannot tell the next person that this thing that you heard on TV was false. Why have you kept so quiet? So what we're doing is that now these false doctrines are very bad and they mitigate against our work. In fact, they mitigate our theme. And taking over the process of the nations, they mitigate. So don't leave your children at home. For those who have all these false doctrines, now go back behind you and try to indoctrinate them. In fact, prevent them from entering your house. Yes. If you know of any sect or any religion or any body of people or any group of persons, or any individual that carries any of these false doctrines and they knock at your gate. Of course, in our culture, you cannot drive away people, bring them in, give them some water to drink, and then if they try to bring that doctrine, stop them. Can you imagine your child or family member being indoctrinated with any of these and the impact on yourself? Because there are some of these doctrines that are really against national recognitions. So when you are supposed to um, have your own nation at heart, they say no. When you are voting, we're not going to vote because we don't believe in voting. 
No other development in the country concerns them. Do you think that is a good doctrine? So we need to resist them. Again, those doctrines that are false actually wreck families. They wreck families. So as Christians who hold the truth and are aware of the truth, we need to teach it and make sure people understand it. In fact, the next person at you talking about something that is not true, let them know that it is false doctrine. Because it's so pathetic when you tune into a channel and you see crowds of people gathered at one place where somebody says it's an angel. Crowds of people. In fact, multitudes. And their leader is an angel on this earth. So even though we preach so that people will come to the salvation of Christ and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and so once they believe they are saved, you know, we tend to tell them that go to any, you can go to any Bible-believing church. How do they know that it's a Bible-believing church? In fact, all these people are holding Bibles. How do they know? So we probably have to start changing our language. Let's direct them to the right places. Let's not just say any Bible-believing church. Of course, they are all holding Bibles. Funnily enough, some of them can speak for 30 minutes. You will not hear the name of Jesus. You will not hear it. Some you will hear. But underneath is a different thing altogether. So when they are mentioning Jesus, they are referring to a different thing. Jesus, his real name is the Messiah and he is the Christ. As the media can mention that one in full, they can't. They can't. So we are saying that the enemy of the church is what? False doctrine. False doctrine. Now Jesus said that the Pharisees and Sadducees were laying loads of luggage heavier than people can carry. And they themselves were not willing to touch it. Moreover, they knew in the times that a certain Messiah was coming. But even though they had all this astrological knowledge, they couldn't detect that that was a time. They didn't know that Jesus Christ had come. So they were looking for a political leader when they were supposed to be expecting a leader who is coming to lead them from their sins. So the crux of the whole message of salvation is that every believing, Bible-believing church must project Christ as the leader of the church. Because he is the one who has come to die and sacrifice his blood. And Bible says that anyone who believes in this shall be saved. 
Amen. Amen. So the message is that false doctrine is an enemy of the church. And you will see that all the divisions that we are having in the church universal are coming from different teachings that people are trying to propound outside of the Bible. Now believing that because of human rights and other uh, social uh, accommodations, we should now create more rules that favor sin. So we are going back to the age of the Pharisees. Jesus said he was building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But it's upon you and I that we will uphold the truth and ensure that the true doctrine thrives. So that as we bring in more people from outside the folks, others don't pass behind us to pull them away with false doctrine. We have a duty to perform as Christians. We have a duty to uphold the, the rules and the doctrines that are correct. So all the work that we are doing is that when a man dies, he has a soul. That soul will resurrect. That soul is with Christ and at the end of the age, the person will be resurrected. So we have life after this life. We have life after this life. So we need to ensure that all the things that we do conform to our expectations of life in heaven. Jesus said he is coming in the glory of his father with his angels to reward every man according to his works. So even though those preaching false doctrines will be rewarded according to their works, we have a better duty to perform by pulling away all the people who are following them. Of course, if you are in one of those churches. Okay, let's just analyze. If you are in one of those churches where the doctrine is false, is it possible that you go to hell? The question is difficult. You are in a church where the bad doctrine is taught. You are, you, it's like being in the wrong vehicle. It is like being in the wrong vehicle. So you are in this church. The doctrine of the church is false doctrine. Are you going to heaven or to hell? Yeah, so when we see church and when we hear church, we shouldn't just accept that every church is a church. We should not. And we need to educate the people so that they will not think that every church is a church. Now, the sad thing is that while all these things are going on, others are doing the right preaching. Others are actually carrying the true message. So we are not alone. There are others also carrying the true message. 
But let's guide the people that are close to us. Let's guide the people that we speak to. Let's guide the souls that are perishing to go to a place where good and sound doctrine is preached. God bless you.